at the Dugal Greenhouse at the Brooklyn Navy Yard in Brooklyn, New York for the CNN Democratic presidential debate. We've come to Brooklyn just five days before the New York presidential primary, a very important contest for the Democrats with an enormous number of delegates at stake. We want to welcome our viewers in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer and I'll moderate tonight's debate. Joining me in the questioning, Errol Lewis, political anchor for New York One Time Warner Cable, our partner in this debate, and CNN chief political correspondent, Dana Bash. Brooklyn has personal meaning for the candidates who both have been New Yorkers at one time or another in their lives. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the candidates. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Democratic candidates for President of the United States. Now, please continue to stand for our national anthem, sung by the Broadway performer and recording artist, Morgan James. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming Morgan James, Secretary Clinton and Senator Sanders, you can now move to your lecterns while I explain a few ground rules. As moderator, I'll guide the discussion, asking questions and follow-ups. You'll also get questions from Dana Bash and Errol Lewis. You'll each have one minute and 15 seconds to answer questions, 30 seconds for follow-ups. Timing lights will signal when your time is up. 
Both candidates have agreed to these rules now. Opening statements. You'll each have two minutes. Let's begin with Senator Sanders. Well, thank you very much, CNN. Thank you very much, Secretary Clinton. Thank you very much. When we began this campaign almost a year ago, we started off at 3% in the polls. We were about 70 points behind Secretary Clinton. In the last couple of weeks, there were two polls out there that had us ahead. Of the last nine caucuses and primaries, we have won eight of them, many of them by landslide victories. Over the last year, we have received almost seven million individual campaign contributions, averaging, guess what, $27 apiece. More individual campaign contributions than any candidate in American history at this point in a campaign. The reason that our campaign has done so well is because we're doing something very radical. We're telling the American people the truth. And the truth is that this country is not going to move forward in a significant way for working people unless we overturn this disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision and unless we have real campaign reform so that billionaires and super PACs cannot buy elections. This campaign is also determined to end a rigged economy where the rich get richer and everybody else get poorer and create an economy that works for all of us, not just the 1%. Thank you. Secretary Clinton. Well, first of all, it's great to be here in New York, and I am delighted to... have, have this chance to discuss the issues that are important to our future I was so honored to serve as a senator from New York for eight years and to work to provide opportunity for all of our citizens to make it possible that we could knock down the barriers that stand in the way of people getting ahead and staying ahead. And during those eight years, we faced some difficult challenges together. We faced 9-11. We worked hard to rebuild New York. I was particularly concerned about our first responders and others who'd been affected in their health by what they had experienced. We worked hard to bring jobs from Buffalo to Albany and all parts of New York to give more hardworking people a chance to really make the most out of their own talents. And we worked hard to really keep New York values at the center of who we are and what we do together. And that is... That is exactly what I want to do as your president. We will celebrate our diversity. 
we will work together, bringing us back to being united, setting some big, bold, progressive goals for America. That's what I'm offering in this campaign, to build on the work, to build on the values that we share here in New York, to take those to Washington, and to knock down those barriers that in any way hold back not only individuals, Americans, but our country from reaching our full potential. That is what my campaign is about. Thank you, Secretary. We are going to deal with many of the issues both of you just raised. I want to begin with a question that goes right to the heart of which one of you should be the Democratic presidential nominee. Senator Sanders, in the last week, you've raised questions about Secretary Clinton's qualifications to be president. You said that something is clearly lacking in terms of her judgment, and you accused her of having a credibility gap. So let me ask you, do you believe that Secretary Clinton has the judgment to be president. Well, I've known Secretary Clinton how long? 25 years. We worked together in the Senate. And I said that in response to the kind of attacks we were getting from the Clinton uh, campaign. Uh, Washington Post headline says, uh, Clinton campaign says Sanders is unqualified. And that's what the surrogates were saying. Does Secretary Clinton have the experience and the intelligence to be a president? Of course she does. But I do question, but I do question her judgment. I question a judgment which voted for the war in Iraq, the worst foreign policy blunder in the history of this country, voted for virtually every disastrous trade agreement which cost us millions of decent paying jobs. And I question her judgment about running super PACs which are collecting tens of millions of dollars from special interests, including $15 million from Wall Street. I don't believe that that is the kind of judgment we need to be the kind of president we need. Secretary Clinton. <laughs> well, it, it is true that um, now that the spotlight is pretty bright here in New York, some things have been uh, said, and uh, Senator Sanders uh, did call me unqualified. I've been called a lot of things in my life. That was a first. And then uh, he did say that um, he had to question my judgment. Well, the people of New York voted for me twice to be their senator from New York. And, and President Obama trusted my judgment enough to ask me to be Secretary of State for the United States. So look, we have disagreements on policy. There's no doubt about it. But if you go and read, which I hope all of you will before Tuesday, Senator Sanders' long interview with the New York Daily News, talk about judgment and talk about the kinds of problems he had answering questions about even his core issue, breaking up the banks. When asked, he could not explain <laughs> how that would be done. And when asked, when asked about a number of foreign policy issues he could not answer about Afghanistan, about Israel, about counterterrorism, except to say if he'd had some paper in front of him, maybe he could. I think you need to have the judgment on day one to be both president and commander-in-chief. Senator. And let's talk about judgment. And let us talk 
about the worst foreign policy blunder in the modern history of this country. I led the opposition to that war. Secretary Clinton voted for that war. Let's talk about judgment. Let's talk about super PACs and 501c4s, money which is completely undisclosed. Where does the money come from? Do we really feel confident about a candidate saying that she's going to bring change in America when she is so dependent on big money interest? I don't think so. Well, let me, let, have, let let me, me just say, let, let, let me, well, let me well, say. Secretary, let him finish. Okay. Thirdly, we have got to understand that in America we should be thinking big, not small. Thank you. We need to join the rest of the industrialized world and guarantee health care to all people as a white. My view, not her view. Thank you, Senator. <laughs> Secretary. Well, make, make no mistake about it. This is uh, not just an attack on me. It's an attack on President Obama. Oh. President Obama. You know, let me tell you why. You may not like the answer, but I'll tell you why. President Obama had a super PAC when he ran. <laughs> President Obama took tens of millions of dollars from contributors. And President Obama was not at all influenced when he made the decision to pass and sign Dodd-Frank, the toughest regulations on Wall Street in many a year. So this is, this is a phony this is a phony attack that is designed to raise questions when there is no evidence or support to undergird the insinuations that he is putting forward in these attacks. Thank you, Secretary. We're going to continue on this, but I want Dana Bash to continue with the questioning. Secretary Clinton, the government announced yesterday that five of the biggest banks on Wall Street have failed to develop plans to dismantle themselves in the event of another financial crisis. This is the second time in two years those banks ne neglected to come up with credible plans. So as president, would you call on regulators to start the process of breaking up these banks, something that the law not only allows but actually explicitly encourages? Absolutely. You know, this is what I've been saying for the past year. No bank is too big to fail. No executive too powerful to jail. I have been talking about what we should be doing under Dodd-Frank. I'm glad that Senator Sanders is now joining in talking about Dodd-Frank because Dodd-Frank sets forth the approach that needs to be taken. I believe and I will appoint regulators who are tough enough and ready enough to break up any bank that fails the tests under Dodd-Frank. There are two sections there, and if they fail either one, that they're a systemic risk, a grave risk to our economy, or if they fail the other, that their living wills, which is what you're referring to, are inadequate. But let's look at what's at stake here. We can never let Wall Street wreck Main Street again. I spoke out against Wall Street when I was a senator from New York. I have been standing up and saying continuously, we have the law, we've got to execute under it. So you're right, I will move immediately to break up any financial institution, but I go further because I want the law to extend to those that are part of the shadow banking industry, the big insurance companies, the hedge funds, something that I have Thank been you. arguing for now for a Senator long time. Senator Sanders, 
You were recently, Senator Sanders, you were recently asked what you would replace the big Wall Street banks with if you could break them up. You said, quote, that's their decision. Why would no. you trust the banks to restructure <coughs> no. themselves? All right, first thought, Donna. When you say their whole business model is fraudulent. That's right. So let's start off with the basic premise. A few days ago, Goldman Sachs formally reached a settlement with the United States government for $5 billion. What Goldman Sachs acknowledged was essentially that they were selling fraudulent packages of subprime mortgage loans. Goldman Sachs was not the only bank. Other banks, of course, did the same. Now, I don't need Dodd-Frank now to tell me that we have got to break up these banks, A, because they're based on fraudulent principles, and B, because when you have six financial institutions that have assets equivalent to 58% of the GDP of this country, they are just too big, too much concentration of wealth and power. But Senator Point is, we have got to break them up so that they do not pose a systemic risk and so that we have a vibrant economy with a competitive financial system. But Senator, you didn't answer the specific question, which is not just about breaking up the banks, but why allow the banks to do it themselves? Because I'm not sure that the, what the government should say is, you are too big to fail, you've got to be a certain size. And then the banks themselves can figure out what they want to sell off. I don't know that it's appropriate for the Department of Treasury to be making those decisions. What we need is to make sure that they are safe. Dana, you know, I love being in Brooklyn. This is great. Dana, uh, let, me, let me add here that uh, there are two ways to go at this under Dodd-Frank, which is, after all, the law that we passed uh, under President Obama. Uh, and I'm proud that uh, uh, Barney Frank, one of the authors, has endorsed me because what I have said continuously is, yes, sometimes the government may have to order certain actions. Sometimes the government can permit the institution themselves to take those actions. That has to be the judgment of the regulators. But there's another element to this. I believe strongly that executives of any of these organizations should be financially penalized. If there is a settlement, they should have to pay up through compensation or bonuses because we have to go after not just the big, giant institution. We've got to go after the people who are making the decisions in the institution you, and hold them accountable as Senator well. Senator Sanders, you've consistently criticized Secretary Clinton. You've consistently criticized Secretary Clinton for accepting money from Wall Street. Can you name one decision that she made as, as senator that shows that she favored banks because of the money she received? Sure. Sure. The obvious decision is when the greed and recklessness and illegal behavior of Wall Street brought this country into the worst economic downturn since the Great Recession, the Great Depression of the 30s, when millions of people lost their jobs and their homes and their life savings. The obvious response to that is that you got a bunch of fraudulent operators 
and that they have got to be broken up. That was my view way back, and I introduced legislation to do that. Now, Secretary Clinton was busy giving speeches to Goldman Sachs for $225,000 a speech. So the proper response, and the proper response in my view is we should break them up, and that's what my legislation does. Well, as you can tell, Dana, he cannot, he cannot come up with any example because there is no example. And it is, it is important. It is important. It's always important. It may be inconvenient, but it's always important to get the facts straight. I stood up against the behaviors of the banks when I was a senator. I called them out on their mortgage behavior. I also was very willing to speak out against some of the special privileges they had under the tax code. When I went to the Secretary of State office, the President, President Obama, led the effort to pass the Dodd-Frank bill. That is the law. Now we've had, this is our ninth debate. In the prior eight debates, I have said, we have a law. You don't just say, we're upset about this, I'm upset about it. You don't just say, go break them up. You have a law because we are a nation of laws. Thank you, Madam So Secretary. I support Dodd-Frank, but I have consistently said that's not enough. We've got to include the Thank shadow you. banking Senator sector. Sanders. Secretary Clinton called them out. Oh, my goodness. They must have been really crushed by this. And was that before or after you received huge sums of money by giving speaking engagements behind them? So they must have been very, very upset by what you did. Look, here is the difference. And here is the clear difference. These banks, in my view, have too much power. They have shown themselves to be fraudulent organizations endangering the well-being of our economy. If elected president, I will break them up. We've got legislation to do that. End of discussion. Secretary Clinton, if I may, Senator Sanders keeps bringing up the speeches that you gave to Goldman Sachs. So I'd like to ask you, you've said that uh, you don't want to release the transcripts until everybody does it. But if there is nothing in those speeches that you think would change voters' minds, why not just release the transcripts and put this whole issue to bed? You know... First of all, first of all, there isn't an issue. When I was in public service serving as the senator from New York, I did stand up to the banks. I did make it clear that their behavior would not be excused. I'm the only one on this stage who did not vote to deregulate swaps and derivatives as Senator Sanders did, which led to a lot of the problems that we had with Lehman Brothers. Now, if you're going to look at the problems that actually caused the Great Recession, you got to look at the whole picture. It was a giant insurance company, AIG. It was an investment bank, Lehman Brothers. It was mortgage companies like Countrywide. I'm not saying that Senator Sanders did something untoward Madam, when he voted to Madam deregulate Secretary. swaps and derivatives, One but second, the fact is he did, and that what contributed about, to what about, the collapse of Lehman Brothers, which started the cascade oh, in the Senator Sanders.
just one second, please. Secretary Clinton, the question was about the transcripts of the speeches to Goldman Sachs. Why not release them? I have said, look, there, there, are certain, there are certain expectations when you run for president. This is a new one. And I've said, if everybody agrees to do it, because there are speeches for money on the other side, I know that. But I will tell you this, there is, there is a long-standing expectation that everybody running release their tax returns. And you can, go, you can go to my website and see eight years of tax returns, and I've released 30 years of tax returns. We, and I think every candidate, including Senator Sanders and Donald Trump, should do the same. Secretary Clinton, we're going to get to the tax returns later, but just to put a button on this, you're running now for the Democratic nomination. Right. And it, it is your Democratic opponent and many Democratic voters who want to see those transcripts. It's not about the Republicans at this point. And let, you know, let's set the same standard for everybody. When everybody does it, okay, I will do it. But let's set and expect the same standard on tax returns. Everybody does it, and then we move forward. Thank you. Well, let me respond. Secretary Clinton, you just heard her. Everybody else does it, she'll do it. I will do it. I am going to release all of the transcripts of the speeches that I gave on Wall Street behind closed doors. Not for 225000 not for 2000 not for two cents. There were no speeches. And second of all, of course, we will release our taxes. Jane does our taxes. We've been a little bit busy lately. You'll excuse us. But we will. Senator, we will get them out. Senator, well, you know, there are, there are a lot of copy Senator, when copy are you going to release you, You've been asked for weeks and weeks to release well, your tax returns. Well, I think returns. we got one that's coming out tomorrow. Which one? Last year's. 2014? Yes. What about 2013? All yes. the other ways. Yeah, look, I don't want to get anybody very excited. They are very boring tax returns. No big money from the speeches, no major investments. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I remain one of the poorer members of the United States Senate, and that's what that will show. So, so Senator, just to be clear, tomorrow you will re release the 2014 tax returns from you and your family? Yes. And what about the earlier ones? What's yes. the problem? What, what's taking yes, so sir. long? Because you just I, have to go to the filing cabinet, make a well, copy, and, and release them. <laughs> Well, if the answer is, you know, what we have always done in my family's, Jane does them, and she's been out on the campaign show. We will get them out. We'll get them out very shortly. It's not Thank a big you. deal. Senator, Senator, you've slammed companies like General Electric yes. and Verizon for moving jobs outside of the United States. Yesterday, the CEO of Verizon called your views contemptible and said in your home state of Vermont, Verizon has invested more than $16 million and pays millions of dollars a year to local businesses. He says you are, quote, uninformed on this issue and disconnected from reality. Given your obvious contempt for large American corporations, how would you, as President of the United States, be able to effectively promote American businesses around the world? Well, for a start, 
I would tell uh, the gentleman who's the CEO at Verizon to start negotiating with the communication workers of America. And this is, this is a perfect example, Wolf, of the kind of corporate greed which is destroying the middle class of this country. This gentleman makes $18 million a year in salary. That's his, that's his compensation. This gentleman is now negotiating to take away health care benefits of Verizon workers, outsource call center jobs to the Philippines, and, lay, and, and trying to create a situation where workers will lose their jobs. He is not investing in the way he should All in right. inner cities in America. Senator, but the question was, the question was, given your contempt for large American corporations as president, how would you be able to promote American business around the world? First of all, the word contempt is not right. There are some great businesses who treat their workers and the environment with respect. Verizon happens not to be one of them. And what we need to do is to tell this guy, Inmelt, who's the head of General Electric, doesn't like me? Well, that's fine. He has outsourced hundreds of thousands of decent-paying jobs throughout the world, cut his workforce here substantially, and in a given year, by the way, turns out that both Verizon and General Electric in a given year pay nothing in federal income tax despite making billions in profit. Senator, experts say that no matter the means to bring back these jobs to the United States, prices of goods for consumers in the United States would go up, which would disproportionately impact the poor and middle class. So how would you bring back these jobs to the United States without affecting the cost of goods to America's middle class and poor? Well, for a start, we're going to raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. And number two, while it is true, we may end up paying a few cents more for a hamburger at McDonald's, at the end of the day, what this economy desperately needs is to rebuild our manufacturing sec sector with good-paying jobs. We cannot continue to sustain the loss of millions of decent-paying jobs that we have seen over the last 20, 30 years based on trade agreements of which Secretary Clinton has voted for almost every one of those. That has got to Thank change. Thank you. Secretary, <laughs> Secretary Clinton. Well, first of all, I do have a very comprehensive plan to create more jobs, and I think that has to be at the center of our economic uh, approach. And so I think it is important that we do more on manufacturing. I went to Syracuse and laid out a $10 billion plan that would, I believe, really jumpstart <laughs> advanced manufacturing. I have seen the results of what can happen when we have the government cooperating with business. And that's exactly what I will do. When I was Secretary of State, I helped to lead the way to increase exports of American goods around the world, which supports tens of thousands of jobs. So I think you've got to go at this with a sense of how to accomplish the goal we are setting. More good jobs with rising incomes for people everywhere from inner cities to rural areas to every distressed community in America. And that's exactly what my plan would bring about. I think we have a pretty good record if we look at what happened Senator in the Obama. 1990s 
We got 23 million new jobs and incomes went up for everybody. Let's do that again in Senator, America. I'm going to have you respond in a moment. Stand by. Hold it. Secretary, no, 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 you, will, you will respond in a moment, but I have to follow up with Secretary Clinton. You stood on the stage with Governor Cuomo in support of new legislation to raise New York's minimum wage to $15 an hour. But you do not support raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. As president, if a Democratic Congress put a $15 minimum wage bill on your desk, would you sign it? Oh, of course I would. And I have supported, I have supported the fight for 15. I am proud to have the endorsement of most of the unions that have led the fight for 15. I was proud to stand on the stage with Governor Cuomo, with SEIU and others who have been leading this battle. And I will work as hard as I can to raise the minimum wage. I always have. I supported that when I was in the Senate. But what I have also said is that we've got to be smart about it, just the way Governor Cuomo was here in New York. If you look at it, we move more quickly to 15 in New York City, more deliberately toward 12, 12.50 upstate, then to 15. That is exactly my position. It's a model for the nation, and that's what I will do as president. Thank Go you. as quickly Senator. as possible to get to 15. I am sure a lot of people are very surprised to learn that you supported raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just not accurate. I have stood on the debate stage with Senator Sanders eight prior times. Excuse me. I have said the exact same thing. If we can raise it to 15 in New York or Los Angeles or Seattle, let's do it. If you're both screaming at each other, the viewers won't be able to hear either of you. So please don't talk over each other. Go ahead. All right. When this campaign began, I said that we got to end the starvation minimum wage of seven and a quarter, raise it to 15. Secretary Clinton said, let's raise it to 12. There's a difference. And by the way, what has happened is history has outpaced Secretary Clinton. Because all over this country, people are standing up and they're saying 12 is not good enough. We need $15 an hour. Go ahead, Secretary. And Secretary. To suddenly, to okay. suddenly, Secretary, go ahead. Thank you. Thank to you suddenly much. announce thank, now thank, that thank. you're for 15, uh, I don't think it's quite accurate. All right, Secretary. All right. I have said from the very beginning that I supported the fight for 15. I supported those on the front lines of the fight for... It happens to be true. I also... I supported the 15 effort in L.A., I supported it in Seattle, I supported it for the fast food workers in New York. The minimum wage at the national level right now is $7.25, right? We want to raise it higher than it ever has been. But we also have to recognize some states and some cities will go higher, and I support that. I have taken my cue from the Democrats in the Senate, led by Senator Patty Murray and others, like my good friend Kirsten Gillibrand, who has said, we will set a national level of 12 and then urge any place that can go above it to go above it. Going from 725 to 12 is a huge difference. 35 million people will get a raise. One in four working mothers will get a raise. I want to get something done, and I think 
setting the goal to get to 12 is the way to go, encouraging others to get to 15. But of course, if we have a Democratic Congress, we will go to 15. Senator, go ahead. Well, I think the secretary has confused a lot of people. I don't know how you're there for the fight for 15 when you say you want a $12 an hour national minimum wage. Now, in fact, in fact, there is an effort. Patty Murray has introduced legislation for $12 minimum wage. That's good. I introduced legislation for $15 an hour minimum wage, which is better. And ultimately, what we have got to determine is after massive transfer of wealth from the middle class to the top one-tenth of one percent, when millions of our people are working longer hours for low wages, I think we have got to be clear, not equivocate, $15 and minimum wage in 50 states in this country as soon as possible. We're going to turn to another critically important issue right now, guns in America. Secretary Clinton, you've said that Vermont, Senator Sanders' home state, has, quote, the highest per capita number of guns that end up committing crimes in New York. But only 1.2% of the guns recovered in New York in 2014 were from Vermont. Are you seriously blaming Vermont and implicitly, implicitly Senator Sanders for New York's gun violence? No, of course not. Of course not. This is a, this is a serious difference between us. And <laughs> what I want to start by saying, it's not a laughing matter. 90 people on average a day are killed or commit suicide or die in accidents from guns. 33,000 people a year. I take it really seriously because I have spent more time than I care to remember being with people who have lost their loved ones. So yes, we have a problem in America. We need a president who will stand up against the gun lobby. We need a president who will fight for common sense gun safety reforms. And what we have here is a big difference. Senator Sanders voted against the Brady Bill five times. He voted for the most important NRA priority, namely giving immunity from liability to gun makers and dealers, something that is at the root of a lot of the problems that we are facing. Then he doubled down on that in the New York Daily News interview when asked whether he would support the Sandy Hook parents suing to try to do something to rein in the advertising of the AR-15, which is advertised to young people as being a combat weapon, killing on the battlefield. He said they didn't deserve their day in court. I could not disagree more. And finally, this is the only industry in America, the only one that has this kind of special protection. We hear a lot from Senator Sanders about the greed and recklessness of Wall Street. And I agree. We've got to hold Wall Street accountable. Thank you. Well, what about the greed and well, recklessness Senator. of the gun manufacturers and dealers in America? Okay. Well, the only problem is... The only problem is, Wolf, she didn't answer your question. You asked her whether she thought that Vermont was responsible for a lot of the gun violence. And you made the point that what she said was totally absurd. I asked, totally. Her, I asked her, are you seriously blaming Vermont 
and implicitly Senator Sanders for New York's gun violence. She said no, but go ahead. So why did she put out that statement? I put it a out. A statement to, because, well, you, excuse me, I think I'm well, responding. Please, go ahead. A statement that was refuted by the governor of the state of Vermont, who was a supporter of hers, who said, oh, yeah, in campaigns, people tend to exaggerate. Here is the fact on guns. Let's talk about guns. That horrible, horrible Sandy Hook. What's the word that we want to use? Murder, assault, slaughter. Unspeakable act. Back in 1988, I ran for the United States Congress one seat in the state of Vermont. I probably lost that election, which I lost by three points, because I was the only candidate running who said, you know what? We should ban assault weapons, not see them sold or distributed in the United States of America. I've got a D minus voting record from the NRA. And in fact, and in fact, because I come from a state which has virtually no gun control. I believe that I am the best qualified candidate to bring together that consensus that is desperately needed in this country. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Secretary Clinton, I want you to respond to that, but why did you put out that statement blaming Vermont and its gun policy for some of the deaths of buy guns in New York. Well, the, the facts are that most of the guns that end up committing crimes in New York come from out of state. They come from the states that don't have the kind of serious efforts to control guns that we do in New York. But let me say this. In 1988, as we've heard on every debate occasion, Senator Sanders did run for the Congress, and he lost. He came back in 1990, and he won. And during that campaign, he made a commitment to the NRA that he would be against waiting periods. And in fact, in his own book, he talks about his 1990 campaign. And here's what he said. He clearly was helped by the NRA because they ran ads against his opponent. So then he went to the Congress, where he has been a largely very reliable supporter of the NRA, voting, he kept his word to the NRA, he voted against the Brady Bill five times because it had waiting periods in it. Thankfully, enough people finally voted Thank for you. it to keep guns out of the hands Senator, of people Senator, who should not coming have Coming to them. you now, Senator, I want you to respond, but I also want you to respond to this. You recently said you do not th- think crime victims should be able to sue gun makers for damages. The daughter of the Sandy Hook Elementary School principal who was killed back in the 2012 mass shooting says you owe her and the other victims' families an apology. Do you? What we need to do is to do everything that we can to make certain that guns do not fall into the hands of people who do not have them. Now, I voted against this gun liability law because I was concerned that in rural areas all over this country, if a gun shop owner sells a weapon legally to somebody and that person then goes out and kills somebody, I don't believe it is appropriate that that gun shop owner who just sold a legal weapon to be held accountable and be sued. But what I do believe 
is when gun shop owners and others knowingly are selling weapons to people who should not happen. Somebody walks in, they want thousands of rounds of ammunition, or they want a whole lot of guns. Yes, that gun shop owner or that gun, shop, gun manufacturer should be held liable. So, Senator, do you owe the Sandy Hook families an apology? No, I don't think I owe them an apology. They are in court today, and actually they won a preliminary decision today. They have the right to sue, and I support them and anyone else who wants the right to sue. Well, I, I believe that the law that Senator Sanders voted for, that I voted against, giving this special protection to gun manufacturers and to dealers is an absolute abdication of responsibility on the part of those who voted for it. This is a, this is a unique gift given to only one industry in the world as by the, by the United States Congress, as Senator Murphy from Connecticut said, we have tougher standards holding toy gun manufacturers and sellers to account than we do for real guns. And the point that Senator Sanders keeps making about how he wouldn't want a mom and pop store, that was not the point of this. And if he can point to any, any incident where that happened, I would love to hear about it. What was really going on, I'll tell you, because it has a lot to do with New York City. New York City was on the brink of being able to hold manufacturers and dealers accountable through a very carefully Thank crafted you. legal strategy. The NRA came to their supporters in the Congress okay. and said, stop it, stop it now. And Senator Sanders Thank joined you, those Secretary who Senator, did. Let go me ahead. just reiterate, just to reiterate so there is no confusion. Decades ago, before it was popular, in a rural state with no gun control, Bernie Sanders said, let's ban assault weapons, not see them distributed in the United States Thank of you, America. Thank you, Senator. Let's, let's turn it over to Errol Lewis of New York One, Time Warner Cable News. Secretary Clinton, the 1994 crime bill that you supported added 100,000 police officers across the country and banned certain assault weapons. It also imposed tougher prison sentences and eliminated federal funding for inmate education. Looking at the bill as a whole, do you believe it was a net positive or do you think it was a mistake? Well, I think that it had some positive aspects to it. And uh, you mentioned some of them. Uh, the Violence Against Women Act, which has been a, a very important piece of uh, legislation, in my opinion. Um, and it also did some things which uh, were to provide more opportunities for young people. So if we were to have the balance sheet on one side, there are some positive actions and changes. On the other side, there were uh, decisions that were made that now we must revisit and we have to correct. I think that sentences got much too long. The original idea was not that we would increase sentences for nonviolent, low-level offenders, but once the federal government did what it did, states piled on. So we have a problem. And the very first speech I gave in this campaign was about what I will do to reform the criminal justice system and to end the over-mass incarceration. So I think that if all of us 
go back and look at where we were, Senator Sanders voted for the crime bill, and he said the same thing. There were some good things and things that we have to change and learn from. So I, that's how I see it, and I think we ought to be putting our attention on forging a consensus to make the changes that will divert more people from the criminal justice system to start, so to th tackle th systemic you, racism you, and divert Clinton. people uh, now, in the beginning. Now, earlier this year, a South Carolina voter told your daughter, Chelsea, quote, I think a lot of African-Americans want to hear, you know what, we made a mistake. Chelsea said she's heard you apologize, but went on to say that if the voter hadn't heard it, then, quote, it's clearly insufficient. Do you regret your advocacy for the crime bill? Well, look, I, I, I supported the crime bill. My husband has apologized. He was the president who actually signed it. But, Senator but, Sanders but what about, but what about voted you, for it. I'm sorry for the consequences that were unintended and that have had a very unfortunate impact on people's lives. I've seen the results of what has happened in families and in communities. That's why I chose to make my very first speech a year ago on this issue, Errol, because I want to focus the attention of our country and to make the changes we need to make. And I also want people, especially, I want, I want white people, I want white people to recognize that there is systemic racism. It's also in employment, it's in housing, but it is in the criminal justice system as well. Sen Senator, Sen Senator Sanders, earlier this week at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, you called out President Clinton for defending Secretary Clinton's use of the term super predator back in the 90s when she supported the crime bill. Why, why did you call him out? Because it was a racist term and everybody knew it was a racist term. Look. Much of what Secretary Clinton said was right. He had a crime bill. I voted for it. It had the Violence Against Women Act in it. When mayor of Burlington, we worked very hard to try to eliminate domestic violence. This took us a good step forward. We're talking about the weapon that killed the children in Sandy Hook. This banned assault weapons, not insignificant. But where we are today is we have a broken criminal justice system. We have more people in jail than any other country on earth. And in my view, what we have got to do is rethink the system from the bottom on up. And that means for a start, and we don't talk about this, the media doesn't talk about it, you got 51% of African-American kids today who graduated high school who are unemployed or underemployed. You know what I think? Maybe we invest in jobs and education for those kids, not jails and incarceration. And I'll tell you what else. And I'll tell you what else I think. And that is we have got, and this is a difference between the secretary and myself as I understand it. We have got to have the guts to rethink the so-called war on drugs. Too many you, lives, too many lives have been destroyed because people possess marijuana, millions over a 30-year period. And that is why I believe we should take marijuana out of the Federal Controlled Substance Act. Thank you, thank you. Let's, let's get uh, Secretary Clinton's response. Well, I, look, I think that, um, as Senator Sanders said about what I said, I will say about what he said. I think that uh, we recognize that we have a set of problems that we cannot ignore and we must address. And that is why I have been promoting 
for my entire adult life, I think, uh, the idea of investing early in kids, early childhood education, <laughs> universal pre-K, like what Mayor de Blasio brought to New York. We have got to help more kids get off to a good start. That's why I want a good teacher in a good school for every child, Thank regardless you. of the zip code that child Thank lives you, in, and Secretary to be Clinton. really focused on how we build ladders of opportunity and tear down these barriers that you're, stand you're, in the way time's up, of uh, Secretary Clinton. Ahead. Senator Sanders, I have a question for you related to this. So you've said that by the end of your first term as president, the U.S. will no longer lead the world in mass incarceration. To fulfill that promise, you'd have to release roughly half a million prisoners. How are you going to do that since the vast majority of American prisoners are not under federal jurisdiction? We're going to work with state governments all over this country. And you know what? In a very divided Congress and a very divided politics in America, actually the one area where there is some common ground is conservatives understand that it's insane to be spending $80 billion a year locking up 2.2 million people. With federal and presidential leadership, we will work with state governments to make sure that people are released from jail under strong supervision, that they get the kind of job training and education they need so they can return to their communities. On this one, Errol, actually, I think you're going to see progressive and conservative support. We okay. can do it if we're prepared to be bold. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Secretary. We have to take a quick uh, commercial break. We have a lot more questions for Secretary Clinton and Senator Sanders right after this. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.